Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nixon, content producer for Label Sessions. And in this episode, Ian Montgomery talks to Victoria Tomlinson. Victoria, among many things, is the founder and CEO of Next Up, aiming to bring a fresh and successful approach to help employers and leaders alike plan the latest stages of their working life. Her goal is to inspire and create optimism for this next stage in life for many, changing the perception of age and opportunity in the modern day. Let's find out more from Victoria. Well, like, thanks so much for joining us today, Victoria. I really appreciate you giving up the time to do a, to do a conversation with us. Um, these things always work best when we kick off by you telling us a little bit about you, your background, and kind of what you're notorious for. Notoriously. Where I am now is I've got a business, uh, Next Up, which I launched five years ago, and I am now passionate about using the skills of the 50-plus generation. To be honest, 50 seems really young to me, but um, and I probably ought to start by saying I'm 67 and almost 68, but I don't feel whatever that age is meant to be, which so many people say, and I want to work for another 20 or 30 years because I'm having an absolute ball, the time of my life at the moment. And I feel like all the skills, the contacts, everything I've learned over my life are coming together and being useful now. So I had an early career in manufacturing. I then went to EY, part of a startup marketing team, quickly promoted on the leadership team. And then I had a business. Um, I moved to Yorkshire. Somebody wanted to marry me and I'd have gone anywhere for them. And um, I started a PR marketing, became digital leadership business. And I started being sent very senior people who'd left corporate life. They hadn't planned what they were going to do when they, I'm going to say retired, they didn't see themselves as retired. And they were really in a bad place mentally. And I thought, we don't talk about this. This is really not good what I'm seeing and we need to do something about it. So I started Next Up to help people think about and plan and use the skills. And we now do workshops for professionals in, in partners and professional firms. And I've become a tech entrepreneur at 67. And we have launched a platform so that we can help every employee to think about the next stage of their lives. And actually what it does is to re-motivate themselves and they often want to stay longer where they're working because you're seeing a future and they think actually I could start doing things now to help me for my future and I can carry on working for longer. What really made you want to do that? What was the sort of thing that said to you, this is where I'm going to spend the next piece of my career rather than doing what I've been doing so far? Well, the two things, I guess, it's a good question. There were two things. One is that that PR marketing, I was very early into social media in the professional market. And I had tried every which way to get boards and leadership teams to become engaged with what was happening in the digital world, if you like. And I, I employed four branding agencies to find how do we get the message over? How do we get them to own the opportunities and understand the risks they're sitting on? I completely failed. And I got to the point where they didn't understand we were doing some really great campaigns for them, but they never owned them. And there's only so much you can do for people in social media and things. They have to own that last bit. You know, you want somebody that you were at school with to pick up. You need to have that conversation. So uh, I got to the point where I went, oh, let's say bother it. Uh, I've had it. Uh, I can't do this. So I had, we were really looking at what are we doing? 
And I brought in a professor from uh, Nigel Lockett from Leeds University. And I got him to do our business planning day because I said, we need to rethink what we're doing. This is, this is not working. We need to pick out something different. And he looked at what we were doing and he said, do you do realize you've got a business here helping these people who've just retired? I kind of looked at it with him and I thought, you're right. So we launched that. And I was looking for something. The bit about the TED platform was also because I've been named in Yorkshire's top entrepreneurs and things. I've always thought it's a bit of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm either journalist, whatever. I'm not a proper entrepreneur. That's how I've seen myself because it's a consultancy. It's not a business proper in my head. So um, I wanted to be a proper entrepreneur and do something we could really scale. And I've been wanting to do that forever. And my children were old enough. And I just thought, right, this is the moment we're going to do it. And oh my goodness, it's working. That's fantastic. Um, and so what 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 do you see happening for people who, who are sort of a bit older in their careers? Like what what kind of things are you helping organizations do with that older piece part of the workforce? Or what are you doing to help people who are older go, what do I want to do next? One of the challenges has been, why should a corporate pay for people who are about to leave and go into the wider world? And that's been a real challenge. And you know what? There's always serendipity, isn't there? The whole world now is talking about the seems like a 50 plus generation and they're needing them to do more and to contribute to the economy, particularly since COVID. So there's, that's partly an opportunity for us. But what we're saying is these are really difficult, talking to people who are about to retire are difficult conversations because you can hit age discrimination just like that. So if you say to people, what are you planning to do? I, you know, we don't have a retirement age anymore. And if you say to people, what are you thinking about doing? You've got to be a really skilled line manager to have that conversation, make everybody feel good about it and not hit, I've just been age discrimination. So people don't. So what you've got is people are just retiring without, they don't necessarily want to leave, but they don't think there's any other option for them. So what we're trying to do is help people be really positive about age, you know, and I'm really honest about my age. Why am I? Because I want to show people you can still do so much uh, for the next 20, 30 years. And we're kind of gathering stories of what people are doing. The platform has got 200 video stories of what people are doing at this stage of life. And people become so enthused and excited. They're rethinking themselves. Too many people are writing themselves off thinking, I'm old, I can just potter at home, go on the golf course, allotment, blah. And we're saying, God, you've got so much to offer the world and showing them how. So I hope that what we're doing is re-inspiring them to use those skills at work before they leave and then to do more interesting things and use them. The economy, society needs them. What we also don't need is people leaving and retiring and doing nothing. Because if you don't have purpose in your life, what we have seen, and there's research around this, what, by having purpose, you add 10 years active, good quality life to your future and you're two and a half times less likely to get Alzheimer's. Now, is that not huge for society? So what we're trying to do is show people, actually, it's important to find, and purpose means it's such a huge word. It means different things for different people. And you can't just go and buy purpose or say, do three things and you will have found it. It's a really hard process. But we encourage people, we show them various things to do to start thinking about what do you care about so that you have purpose, and the thing we say is you need new connections. 
We used to talk about new networks. Everybody goes, I don't want to network anymore. I'm done all my networking. No, no, it's not a network. It's not kind of going to a chamber meeting with a glass of warm wine in your hand. It, this is about finding new people because most people rely a lot on their work colleagues more than they realize for their social. You just mentioned about a colleague had dinner last night. You want to catch up with the gossip. And he's at, you don't realize how much social life you've got integrated with work. Once that's gone, you have to create, have to make a real effort to make new connections. In terms of the, the as people get older, like it used to be that people talked about like freedom 55, but maybe that came from work being often quite manual. As work has transitioned to more knowledge work, do you see the, the types of people that you're working with wanting different things, bringing different experiences? What's most interesting about that aging group of people in the workforce right now? I think I've just been talking about this with somebody this morning that I remember going to dinner about five or six years ago. And, you know, when you were talking to somebody and they're not very interesting that you're talking to them, we're listening to a conversation over and you actually wanted to join in. And as they're hosting the dinner, she was saying, I cannot wait to retire. I cannot stand being on another train at 5.30 in the morning. I cannot stand the uselessness of meetings and the whatever. And when we were walking home, I said to my husband, you know, that's, I, what's happening is, is she's focusing on what she wants to stop. She's not focusing on what she wants to start doing instead. And actually, she's been really impressive. We were just saying, I want to be a speaker for something. She's been really impressive with what she's doing. But she said, I want to do nothing. Now, she's not doing nothing at all. And it's really interesting what she's doing. And what we're trying to do is to show people that you can have an absolutely great life. You don't have to be 24-7. I'm not trying to get everybody to work. I'm trying to get them to find something useful to do that they will feel. I can't tell you how many people I met who said there were days when I thought, would anybody care if I got out of bed this morning? And that's just awful. You know, you're in a bad place when that's, you, you know, why are you getting out of bed? I've got nothing to do. Bit of gardening, bit of pottering, do the shopping, whatever. Well, that's not good life and that's not good for the brain and it's not good for your health. I think there's 25-year-olds who have that problem, let alone 55-year-olds. Right. So. Well, can I deal with this generation? I'll come to them later on. <laughs> um, in terms of the companies that are involved, so like, I think that there's huge amounts of talent, experience, knowledge inside an organization. But there's sort of, I, I find that often they have this bias of age equals wisdom. Um, so like more, ex if the older you are, the more wise you are and the younger you are, the more creative you are. I think that's nonsense. It is. Um, A, because some older people are very wise still. Um, <laughs> my husband might say that to me at times. Like, oh God, not again. Um, but also older people are extremely creative. And I hope I'm showing that by having a business, um, you know, I'm a problem solver and I like to look at what's the, what the issues are and then what are we going to do about that? How are we going to change things? And that doesn't stop, you know, if you've got that kind of brain and the way of looking at it. So all those sort of fundamental skills we have, we retain those, but you have to keep, I think there's something here about keeping using those skills. I do think they can, you can fall out of using them. It's sort of like practicing it. Um, and I think, you know, learning new things is so important. I am dismayed about what's happened around tech. I mentioned earlier on about trying to get this older generation, you know, board level leadership teams into social media. And I went to a dinner, a large real firm in London, I was guest speaker, and it's professionals, um, people at comms for professional firms. And the debate, there were about 30 of us around this dinner table. And somebody said, you can't expect people aged over 50 to use social media. 
And I just went, why can't you expect me? That is such a wrong comment on every level. And that's part of the problem because you're getting leaders who are not owning the technology in their business. And I've sat on boards where I've seen every time anything slightly techy came up, people kind of sat back, kind of always looking at their phones to see till we get back to real business. Usually it's the figures, the finance, whatever. And I sat on the board of Northern Ballet for eight years. And I remember the marketing team doing a presentation about uh, the marketing and where we were going. It's going back some years ago. And I could see everybody kind of slightly glazed over about, you know, website hits, the conversions, what was happening on social media, ticket sales, etc. And I just thought, God, come on, guys, you've got to wake up. This is the future. This is where your ticket sales are going to come from. This this is critical, key business. But they kind of saw it as being oh, it's about social. So I think what we have allowed is people to duck out of technology and to say it's okay as you get older, you don't do tech. And we saw in COVID, it couldn't be further from the truth. If you've got a reason to get into using tech, social media, whatever you want to call it, you know, to go online, etc., people are perfectly able. They might need a bit of help setting it up, but we saw people doing online banking in their 80s and 90s. We saw people doing online ordering in their 80s for the first time, you know, considerable ages. They're perfectly capable of doing it when there's a reason to and when someone helps them to get there. And what we haven't done is to expect very much of this generation. We need to expect more. They themselves need to expect more of themselves. And we've got to invest in that training. And corporates haven't. And they have to start doing that more now. Not stop it more, just start doing it, basically. This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast, for live sessions of advice, mentoring, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team. So I think there's something really interesting happening in businesses just now with you have this older generation that's kind of on its way out, it's checked out, it's done, that's been a bit, doesn't understand, just doesn't get tech. You then have a generation that's a bit nervous about technology, a bit hesitant, but they're getting there. And I think you're doing a lot, a lot of work with that group. I think you have a middle group that is obsessed with tech to the point of it's actually forgotten people exist and how to deal with people. And then you have this like young group coming in that, that gets tech, but they actually, they delete apps on their phone. They're deleting TikTok. They're deleting Instagram. They, they value human connection a bit more. So you end up having this like, this entry level group into the workforce and this older group in the workforce that are quite similar, but they sandwich a bunch of Interesting. people I... who are probably not quite the right people. Right. I think you're right. Yes. Yes. I can think about, yes, quite a few young people who are saying uh, they're switching out of tech quite a lot. You're right. And I think that's where we need to get to. And that's where you could do with the older generations using and understanding it to bring a bit of balance to it for everybody. You know, you need it to some extent. And it's getting that you need a mix of real-time people interaction and you need some technology at times. You know, you need both. There's a, I was listening to a thing the other day of like technology actually takes quite a long time to, to make an impact. So everyone got, everyone's very excited by AI just now. And we're probably at the top of the hype cycle and then we'll go into a trough and then it'll sort of percolate through. But they were saying video conferencing 
is still not really, we still haven't seen the full impact of how much video conferencing can do. And I think that's really interesting for that older group that have like, I remember my father-in-law trying to start a Teams call at the start of the pandemic. It was like, why are we doing Teams? Um, but there's something so interesting around like how that that how you like how you enable that group, the people they work for, or what they want to go do next. Where are we going with video conferencing? Is we're getting holographic technology added onto it, so we won't feel like we feel very much that we're sitting at a screen now. Whereas it will become that you feel like people are sitting with you. I know I was looking at um, I had a client who was very much looking. This was about eight, nine years ago. And she was talking about what the future is. And she was saying, well, this technology is here. We just aren't using it every day yet. And how you will feel like you're having a drink with friends who are in Australia and Canada. Not, It's not that far away. It could be done now. Um, it's just not sort of mass audience yet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that where it will go and like how we're just not there, not there yet. So what kind of, what kind of advice do you give to, to companies or to people as they approach this kind of all the time in their life and they're not really ready to retire. The first thing we say, and in a way I don't really say this, but everybody's got diversity coming out of their ears. And the one thing they haven't done is look at diversity by age. And I think they need to put in age into their diversity pillars. Excuse me. And um, if they were to do that and then start measuring engagement as an example by age, they would see how turned off the older generation is from their workplace. They don't they don't feel respected by a lot of people, by their colleagues, by their bosses. They're not given the same training and opportunities. Uh, and, you know, I, I hadn't been in corporate land. I'd been advising it, not really in it, uh, until recently with what we're doing. And now we're kind of in it with employees. I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm horrified, if I'm honest, because there is blatant age discrimination. Everyone sort of talks about discrimination at work and yet they are so happy they don't invest in say training and development from about the age of 30 in most people there is just not yes you've got regulatory training and things like that but in your personal development people give up uh, they're not expecting very much of people they don't expect people to be ambitious um, unless you're a high flyer and you're going to become chief exec or in the leadership team or whatever you're not given those development opportunities so the, the first thing is to understand your employees and i would suggest i think in america they call them brown paper bag lunches or something where you get a chief exec gets people from different parts of the business to come in and just share with them how they feel about the business and be really honest and skip a number of you know not just your immediate um sort of reports if you like but actually get really wide news i think they would be horrified and i think they would be quite shocked at how ambitious people still can be so I think that kind of getting into the heads of people and rethinking, you're sitting on a huge resource here. It's costing you a fortune. And all people are doing is trying to get rid of it because they see that as getting rid of a huge cost because inevitably as you get older these days, you're more expensive. So instead of looking at it as this cost and getting rid of it, rethink, how am I using it? Expect more of it. Expect more return on that investment. It's a huge investment you have put into these people. So I actually start understanding the skills. What this generation are very good at on the whole, I mean, you know, they're always exceptions, but they're good at relationships. They didn't grow up on their phones. They are very happy to pick up the phone and talk to people, go to a meeting. Now, if you think about all the ESG initiatives at every corporate, I mean, everyone corporate says, that's our number one priority, you know, diversity and Me Too and all these sorts of things. 
they're really good at relationships. They're good at community building, going out into community and delivering a lot of what you need. They they are imaginative. You give them the chance. And again, you know, it's not everybody is imaginative, but actually they can add value to your business. I heard one corporate refer to their 50 plus generation, and I can hardly bear to say this. They referred to them as permafrost. And that is horrible. Because I've heard that a few times, actually. I haven't. And when I heard it first time, I just thought, oh, because it's the corporate that's allowed that to become their people. They're people with dreams, ambitions, skills, everything. Actually unlock that permafrost, let it defrost and start using those skills. There is a huge resource there. And what I'm hoping with the platform, what we're seeing is by giving people inspiration, it's very much, it's not about thinking of retirement and your finances. Everybody else does that to death. What this is about is rethinking age essentially. And it's rethinking the opportunities. It's showing ordinary people doing really interesting things. Actually look at working flexibly, you know, both part-time and projects. What this generation, a lot of them have had enough of is um, managing people. You know, I'm actually, I'm done with it. But they still would like to use their skills. So they would be brilliant to take on some projects, you know, six months a year projects, something or other like that, without necessarily managing, you know, hundreds of people in their remit. Um, and I think there's such a, such a resource here to use. It should be, it should be sort of, turning on the bottom line you know adding value there yeah it's like the the permafrost thing i've heard it referred to as an age thing but also a middle management thing yeah so it's not i don't think it's always an age thing but it's like people sort of think oh because they're there and they've been there for a while they're never going to change and it's they don't change often because they're they're assumed not to change exactly exactly and who's actually tried to change them you know and who's who's made any effort to put an investment in them in the way that you do when you're young or whatever in terms of like, what companies do this really well? Are there any ones that you can name that you like? I'm re- I really admire those guys. Yeah, so we were asked by a corporate, I can't say who, when we were talking, when they were piloting our platform, they said, actually, we want you also. They just put into the contract um, extra money for us to go and do a piece of consultancy about what does a great workplace for the 50 plus generation look like? And I just went, oh my God, how amazing. What a great piece of work. So we've gone out and researched the market. And what we said to them was, because they were sort of wanting to know who's got best practice. The reality is I don't think anybody has got best practice across the board. There are lots of pockets of really good practice in different ways. I haven't seen anybody that I think beginning to end, it's amazing. So some of the companies, Unilever is brilliant about um, flexible working. Lloyds Bank is great about flexible working. Funners, the brewery, is great about recruiting um, and they're working with a company called Restless. So they're recruiting people back into, uh, who've kind of have retired, if you like, or sort of the older generation. Um, I think most people know B&Q. Sainsbury's is great. Uh, there are some really good examples here. Lots of good companies out there doing bits and pieces. As I, said, I haven't seen one beginning to end doing it all. Yeah, it's really interesting. I was reading a thing this week about... Um company in the US called JD Schmucker, but they make jam and peanut butter and stuff like that in Ohio. But they're basically, their their flexible working thing is, we need you in the office 22 weeks a year. And it, it's these 22. So people go and spend their time in Ohio for 22 weeks and then they'll go away and go be somewhere else. So it's actually fantastic for people whose kids have left home and they're like, 
you know what? I'll be in Ohio when the weather's okay. I will not be in Ohio when the weather's crap. I'll go to Florida. Um, so it's sort of interesting, rather than the t- t- Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday crowd, you get the... Oh, I love that. Maybe it's a few I weeks, a few months. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, there's like really interesting things. I think people are now starting to go, we can not make a single rule. We don't have to follow what other people do. We can be creative with it. With one of the things I haven't talked about is that actually this is, some people call it the sandwich generation, but a lot of people of this sort of age, and we're saying this sort of age as if, you know, we're kind of a short period of time. It's 50 plus, it's kind of like 60 years, really. Um, but a lot of people are trying to care for elderly parents and they're also trying to help grandchildren with care, you know, looking after grandchildren. And they just, it can get too much and they're needing flexibility at work uh, in order to manage that and have some kind of a life for themselves as well in the middle of it all. Yeah, that makes, uh, that, that's a really tough time because you're probably at that point in your career where you're, you can be quite a senior, but then your home life pressures are massive. So do you, do you believe in retirement? Goodness. Is retirement a thing? Really unhealthy, really unhealthy. So no, I want to, I would love to be like the queen working till I'm 96, three days before I die. I'm still very active and contributing. That would be my perfect dream. And she had, she had changed her working life to some extent. She didn't travel anymore. She, um, some of the family took up the reins of some of the other things and stuff. So it wasn't, she's still 24 seven, but you're still doing a lot and you're still contributing to society. So that, that would be my dream. There was, the, there was a phrase that we came across through the research for this interview of rewirement not yeah, retirement i haven't heard of that we call it unretirement but uh i like rewirement i must say i, re- I don't even know what retirement is so no, like, it, and I'm, I'm all for people who get to that point and go i don't know either you don't need to it's it's an old it's outdated there is no language now for what happens after 50 years old it's kind of the concepts are irrelevant and the language is completely useless it's the it's the thing of retirement was you work in a factory until you're 55 and you'll probably be dead by 57. And then there's life expectancy and work change. We never really got rid of the concept. It was Otto von Bismarck who brought it in in the 18, I'm not good on history, so 1800s, something or other. And it was actually to try and free up getting people out of, um, to open up jobs for the younger generation. But he tied it to the age that you retired, if I've got this right, I think it was a year before you were due to die. So that if you hadn't died, you would be any day. So we just get rid of you now from the workforce. So it was very linked to you will be dying around the age you retire. Now we are way out of sync. I think the average age is about 86 of dying. And we're retiring at 50, 50. People are retiring younger, which is ludicrous. So the whole thing is kind of out of sync and useless. It's also interesting job for people working than when they're older. But like the typical expectation i think flight attendants are a really interesting one for this Ooh, so if you get on like a transatlantic flight the, the the flight attendants tend to be really young or quite old yeah and it, what you get is this group of the young ones are like i'm 25 i'm living my dream yeah. i'm overnighting in yeah wherever like on another continent um and i get to travel the older ones are often like I don't like my wife and my husband and <laughs> the kids have left home and I'm so happy to, yeah. and it's, it's an interesting dynamic of when you, when you just observe the, yeah. the crew, the younger ones are looking at the older ones for, for advice. And I, I feel that the learning on the job must be so much better because you have this like diverse mix of people in the crew. Um, and I wonder like how, but, but they're on this, they're obviously paid radically different amounts of money. 
um, but they, they're effectively acting and operating on a, on an equal footing. Whereas if you look at in that, look at that in a in a, in an office or a knowledge work kind of context, you don't get that. You have the entry level twenty three year old who people are looking at going, oh yeah, they're green, they're a bit useless. Just give them an errand to go do, and then you don't see people at that same sort of level who are yes. sixty. And I think this is such a shame. I I think the future of work is going to be intergenerational. We are we're shortly going to have by twenty thirty half the workforce will be aged over 50. That's quite some going if you think about it. And what we have to do is rethink how people work together. We need to be intergenerational. I love nothing better than working with young people. And it's interesting, when I ask partners in professional firms, what would you miss about your firm when you leave? I can't tell probably 50, 60% say the young people, you know, and kind of, I love working around young people. They kind of stretch me, they challenge me. I love mentoring them, whatever. So I think we have to rethink how we put people together to work. We will soon have five, six, seven generations typically in a workplace. Yes, a lot. And we've got to use everybody together. They they bring strengths, different strengths to different generations. And together, well, you know, you're you're fine. You like non-exec directorship type work as well. But it gets me thinking of I remember a drinks company, they had a chief millennial officer. Um and it was it was a bit of a silly job title, but it was quite interesting. Of like, she was sitting with the executive team all the time oh, and being like, "This is what young people are doing. This is what they're drinking. This is where they're what? drinking." I, I think like it's interesting at the same time. Like, I don't know what that looks like as you go through intergenerational work, but what that looks like for advising boards and things like that. Both on what, what you do for your older workforce, but actually, here's the younger crews coming through as I mean, well. I um. I try and sort of stay up to date and kind of challenge myself. And I try and go to events and things that are kind of out of what my comfort zone is. I'll come back to us in a minute. But um, I went to, um, there was something, young tech entrepreneurs in Leeds have been fantastic. I've been getting the older generation mentoring tech entrepreneurs. It's absolutely fantastic. They both said, oh, I don't think it'd be interested in me. And they both love it and get a huge amount out of it. And because of that, I'm now... I mean, we're part of the ecosystem for needs tech um, businesses. And I went to um, something that one of the tech entrepreneurs is doing, um, No Code Lab. So Zan just invited me. And I thought, oh, I'll go along to this. And I go to, it's kind of some kind of club in Italy's you don't normally go to. And it's all dark. And there are techies in there who kind of, drinking beers and pizzas and all the rest of it. And I wouldn't normally come across them. And we were talking about sort of no code versus code for developing platforms, you know, tech industry. And it was such an interesting debate. And I'm meeting people that I would not normally come across. And it's really challenging. And I loved it. And it's that's what you need to do, sort of to stay in touch with. And I learned a lot in that that's helped my business. I can't tell you, sort of all sorts of little things. That's just for one evening. And doing more of that, I think, is really healthy. But you've got to go with an open mind. What's the most uncomfortable thing that you've gone and done to sort of broaden your horizons? Well, you'll love this, because a few years ago, I had Tim Smith from the Eden Project said that he gets all his um, managers have to go to a social event or something or other every year that's really outside of their comfort zone and then write a positive review of it. And so I've had this... I said to my husband, I think it's a really good thing for us to do. We should do this. And so the most uncomfortable thing was 
you're going to laugh at this. It was the Conservative Party's fish and chip quiz night in Harrogate. <laughs> he went, <laughs> and honestly, it was so. Uh, see, I know it sounds a bit weird, but that was seriously out of my comfort zone. Honestly, <laughs> as someone who knows, uh, I, I I used to date somebody from Harrogate. I know I know that town very very well. My my I know there's someone in my family who absolutely despises Harrogate. It's easy to think both. It's, it's maybe a bit harsh, but um, yeah, I don't think North Americans will quite grasp what like that what what that really entails. No, it's <laughs> interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, okay, uh, I, I I've got some like quick fire questions. Yeah. We we normally like wrap these up with sort of yeah. um quick fire things, but my favorite one of these is um. Where do you go to feed your brain? Well, you've just heard that. I can't try and go to events outside of my comfort zone, particularly with younger people. And to go with an open mind, you know, be positive about it, not critical. What's the What's the next one you're planning? I don't think I've got one, but it'll be it'll come out of, I'll be getting an invitation from some of the young tech uh, entrepreneurs and leads probably. Um, what title would you give your biopic or autobiography? Oh, I hate these questions. I hate <laughs> <laughs> I found myself saying, you asked me, it sent me that I needed to think about this. I thought, God knows. I thought that's probably a good title, actually. I then thought maybe something is really cheesy. The future is golden or something. I have no idea. But, you know, to me, futuristic. I love the future, you know, and the future is all optimistic. They turn it into a movie. Who's going to who's gonna play you in the movie then? Oh, God. Oh, Anne Hathaway. She's tall Perfect. and dark, which I am, so... Why I love it. Choose somebody really glamorous. <laughs> what 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 books have you like? Have you read lately that is you like that that was really profound? Had a huge impact on me. I've read an awful lot that didn't have much of an impact, to be honest. Um, I'm reading a lot around retirement, and I'm finding them very not very inspiring. Um, I always like management books. Uh, I'm I'm struggling here. Actually, one that I did enjoy. A friend of mine wrote, Michael Skopinka, um, and it was on the leadership forums that they've done. Um, and I think that's a really brilliant. It was sharing lots of leaders uh, were talking about their kind of insights and their views of leadership, if you like. And he put it all together into a book. It's brilliant. Really cool. I haven't heard of that one. To add that to, I'll add that to my list. Um, you're in a bad mood. What's the one thing you'll do when you to cheer yourself up? Talk to younger people. Actually, and find people who've got worse problems than you have. And it always puts, I don't have the greatest of health. And having a few stints in hospital and seeing people in really having a tough time, it really cheers you up because you think, my life is amazing. How lucky I am. Could be so much worse. Yeah. Uh, and what advice would you give your younger self? I think I'd have given a younger, some advice that somebody gave me, which had a profound effect on me. And that was... You don't suffer fools gladly, Tomlinson, you need to. And what he was really saying to me is when I was in my 20s, and I just thought I was a bit, you know, quite sustained and all the rest. And he said, you know, you need everybody in the business is making a contribution. They may not be very quick in their thinking or whichever, but they're the ones who are making everything work around you. You don't want to be doing their jobs. And I was mortified. And actually, I would have given myself that advice younger about really value the contribution that everybody has in a business and make sure you listen to everybody don't assume because somebody's a secretary or reception or a driver they're the ones at the conference they actually can make more of a difference to your business than a whole board of people who don't know what's going on with the customers 
actually really value everybody and mean that and listen to them and value them. That's seriously humbling, but I can see being really powerful. It was. I, I, I kind of, I can feel myself blushing as he said it to me. It was very hot and uncomfortable and I knew immediately what he was talking about. It's good advice then. It's hugely. It hit home. It was, yeah. And I'll never forget, I was working for a banknote printing company and I remember how one of the checkers at the end of, I think it was passports we were on, and she found a spelling mistake on the last page. This was at the stage has been printed. It, everything had gone through. It shouldn't have been, you know, whatever. And she went and she uh, raised it and said, I think there's a spelling mistake on this. And he sent a huge bouquet of flowers to her to sort of make the point. Well done. Thank you for raising that because we've just been saved from a real embarrassment. So, you know, it was, he was such, he was such a, he was a legend, my boss. Amazing. Great. I, th- I think like some of us just have bosses like that and we're like, we're so grateful to have had had people like that as we came through. I had I did with an in, with an internship with a guy called Howard, and um, he was like Yoda. He knew the problems you were going to face before you saw them coming, but he wouldn't tell you. He would just be watching it, and then after it had happened, he'd tell you what you could have done differently. And then the next time you go through, like, oh yeah, I'm spotting the things, but if if he just told me how to do it better before it went wrong, it would never have happened. Well, no, amazing. Last question for you, my favorite one actually. How weird are you on a scale of one to ten? Very, uh, probably eight or nine. Uh, I'm an eight or endlessly nine. energetic, always looking for the solution, the future. I will do that to my deathbed. I'll be lying there thinking, "What problem can I solve?" And I think that's a bit weird, really. Good weird, that. Well, of course, you can always give a, <laughs> like a job interview. <laughs> but your weaknesses, well, they're really my strengths, actually. You know. I know, I tried to promise you it wouldn't be a job interview oh, question, but we ended on it has one. Been like that. It's quite fun. <laughs> Thanks so much for talking to me today, though. This is fantastic, and I love what, I love what you're doing. I think it's so important. So I think this will be huge for people who listen to this. Well, I, I hope genuinely we're going to make a difference because I think it's what society needs at the moment. I, there's a massive need, and I just want to be part of that. I want to change things. I want to value this generation. They've got so much. So concludes another episode of Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast no matter your platform of choice. And of course, start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com.